Hello, I'm Zach Aloffy. I'm Forrest Olinger. And welcome to The Last of the 80s Kids, episode number two. Yep, and today we are looking at a couple of different things, and the first one is going to be Mobile Suit Gundam. Yep, one of my uh, newest obsessions, something that I've been, uh, uh, well, I've been, it's been years in the making, but uh, yeah, it's my new obsession the last couple months. And what got you interested in it? recently zach well so originally um i told the story to some friends uh, before but uh, gundam is one of the biggest selling franchises in the world uh, a couple years ago they announced um that they were gonna uh they put out their sales figures and they sold sold uh, four billion units of gundam materials and uh so i was working at a comic shop at the time and so i was given the task of um, learning about and seeing if that's something that we wanted to bring into the store. So I started getting into it. I bought a Blu-ray set, uh, watched the first couple episodes, uh, but then other things were happening in life and, you know, we don't have to get into the sadness of all that. But then I left that store and then it kind of sat on the shelf for a couple of years. And then uh, recently with uh, a lot of the stuff that's been going on, just a lot of the projects, I've been looking into, um, you know, a bigger franchise, something that gives me that Star Trek feel, that Battlestar Galactica feel, uh, but also that fun feel of like Saturday morning cartoons and something fun and something that I could delve into that I haven't before. And so uh, that's why this year I've, I've been trying to watch more movies, read more books, uh, do more podcasts like this one, and uh, I'm getting into this Gundam thing. So, and uh, we decided we were going to watch a certain movie uh, that uh, is something that I picked um, for our second episode. And Fora suggested, well, why don't we bring up the uh, mobile suit Gundam as a, you know, good um you know teaser to it so that's you know i like that idea and so yeah here we are uh and forrest has watched the first couple episodes which is really cool yeah you know and it's an interesting basis for a lot of comparisons to me now that we've watched the first three episodes of the 78 mobile suit gundam tv series yep uh, we watched the first episode uh kind of for laughs we watched it dubbed yes uh, because zach had already seen it in japanese yes i had yeah that was an enjoyable experience and i honestly think it was a good way to hook me um mm, mm. maybe more so than if i had watched it uh initially in japanese but nonetheless the japanese voice acting is fantastic and is easily yeah. better that's that's just my thing is that uh because i'm a newer anime person i know that there are people who are probably going to be listening to this um uh, podcast uh, because they're Gundam fans and or anime fans. Uh, I knew a lot of people uh, our age who grew up, you know, Dragon Ball Z and uh, Sailor Moon and all that stuff. And well, I never, I didn't dislike that stuff. I just grew up, you know, doing the comic book movies, all that sort of thing. So um, a lot of people have a lot of nostalgia and love for some of those actors, like early '90s, early 2000s, over the top kind of voice acting. Um, I'm not the hugest fan, so that's why I like the Japanese dub or the, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, do some kind of snooty thing or, but, or anything like that, but I just like that they're more real, you know, usually, you know, kind of, I don't know. It sounds like, uh, I know that recently in the past, I don't know, 10 years, it's gotten better, but I remember, you know, when they, they when they cry or are angry, it really feels like that. And here it sounds like a cartoon angry or a cartoon crying. And oh, sure, um, we we remember back in the day when you know there was a long stretch of time where dubs they they couldn't even try to make it line up. Exactly. Yeah. Like lip movement. Or exactly. Like that. So yeah, uh, it's really good um, voice acting and sound design. Uh, it was funny. I, you pointed out to me that. Um, you notice the sound design was a little bit sharper with the English dub, which is just kind of an interesting. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's the, yeah, the voice acting I thought for the, um, uh, Japanese, um, actors was way more realistic and um i'm almost done with the entire first series it's 43 episodes as of this recording um that's kind of like i said that's kind of been my thing is i've been delving into this and i watch two or three episodes every night and when you do that you can catch up pretty quick so as of this that's kind of where i'm at um and uh just seeing 
and hearing the differences because yeah for the american dubbed version we put way more emphasis on the robot sounds and the cracklings of the guns and the gun machine sounds and they did too but back in the you know 70s 80s it was way more um chill nuanced kind of what they did so that was very interesting like i kind of feel like if you melded the two it would be a fantastic crazy like experience but i mean we have both on country roll and on um the uh, blu-rays which i have um so if you are uh, listening to this as of 2023 and you want to you know what what are we talking about uh, mobile suit gundam the original series from 78 uh, 9 to 80 um and that's going to be on country roll or you can buy blu-rays uh which is really nice um and yeah, and it's something that you can really jump into. There's a ton of other shows that you can jump into. Uh, this is just the original. I'm a comic book guy, so I like to do that. I like to see where it came from. I like to see the new iterations. And I like to see what's the brand new thing. So, um, uh, but yeah, so uh, it's been an interesting ride for me recently going through this. And uh, yeah, I'm interested to hear what, you know, uh, what your aspects, what you think about it was. You know, I thought it was a really interesting combination, and I know you were talking about how you were hoping for a, a new franchise to enjoy, and one of the franchises I know you enjoy is uh, The Expanse. Yes. You even brought it up as a, a basis of comparison for yep, this. Yep, very much. And I I was feeling that. Um, the, the space, or the sci-fi space drama, I guess I would describe it yep. as. Yep. I, I felt like this was a, a mixture of a show. It's like 25% that, sci-fi space drama. Yes. 25% war drama yep. and like 50% mecha anime and it's that first half that I'm describing that I think gives it a very unique quality that mixes with that kind of bombastic mecha imagery yep. to really make something that's grounded but also entertaining and cartoonish yeah exactly which is a difficult line to uh, ride Yes. You know, there, there was a great line that our uh, protagonist, Amaro, yep. uh, says. He says, at one point, so, this is battle. Yep. And uh, I really felt this uh, almost war veteran sensibility to, um, to that realization as he said that. Exactly. Um, which comedically kind of contrasts with the very first line that made me laugh, which was, I could use that super napalm thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which is a fantastic line. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and that's one of the things that um, just jumped off the bat to me is that um, they're dealing with really uh, heartfelt and real things like war, um, delving into more of the history. Uh, there's a podcast that I've been listening to where they delve into, like, the real world, World War II um you know, analogs to what's been happening. And some of them are stuff I've never known about, like how the Japanese people dealt with, um, um, politics and, and food shortages and all that kind of stuff. So, um, all that is in there, but like you said, uh, this is coming out of the time in Japan where they were doing super robots, where it was bombastic, fun, not really a lot of substance. And this was the beginning of them adding the substance. And, uh, that's one of the things that I love. And the more we keep going, the more substance and the more things I know and have heard keeps going in. So, uh, and I already know that, uh, for me, the second half of the original series is better than the first half. So, uh, yeah. And, um, yeah, as I said, the, as I've told Forrest before, the franchise is very, uh, it's impressed me a lot because even down to its toys and its model kits, they don't mess around. They make sure that you're going to have the best time. If you want to get a model kit and make it, they want to make sure that you have the easiest, funnest time that you can and have the nicest product at the end of it and not, um, not steal from you, not take money, not trying to get you to buy three packages to make one thing, none of that kind of stuff, um, you know. Uh, but they are really good at, at, you know, at that sort of thing. Um, and they're, it's all available. If you want to buy the Blu-rays, you can still get them. If you, like I said, it's on Crunchyroll, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, most of the series are up there, um, the, uh, from the seventies all the way to now. So, 
you know, it's not hard to find. So if you're sitting there going, oh, this sounds interesting, um, you can find it. And if you want to buy a model kit, you can. If you want to get merch and toys and, and hats, you can. And sometimes that's hard for some other franchises, even big ones. Even, you know, for a long time before Star Trek came back, when it was just movies, you wanted to go out and buy some Star Trek merch that wasn't old. You wanted to buy new stuff. Uh, it was barely getting made. So, um, you know... Uh, it's nice to see this thing's been going strong for 40 years, and that's uh, that's one of the things that really kind of popped it when I first heard about it, too. It's a pretty interesting uh, fandom. You know, it's one of those things that seems to me like it flies under the radar. Sure. Um, you know, for me, uh, when I think about this show, especially when you brought it up to me, uh, all I could think about was Transformers. Mm. And that, for me, was kind of an early cartoon that resembled this that I sure. actually saw. And I, I had this Optimus Prime uh, semi-truck toy. Mm-hmm. And I remember it transforming and being able to make the head pop out. And for some reason, when you brought up Mobile Suit Gundam, that was the first thing that came to my mind. Was I was like, oh, kind of like Transformers. Just, you know, how there can be these um, different versions of very similar animes with even similar titles yep um and that's what i thought of but now that i think on my own history with max you know when i was a kid the power rangers and you probably watched power rangers some as well Yep, i did yep and they they always turned into a mech in the climaxes that were from the original japanese show yep Yeah, exactly. I loved that stuff. Sure. And so this has actually been quite fun, seeing this war story, seeing our uh, hero, Amaro, and how he gets kind of thrust into this mecha um, war. You know, what I'm kind of wondering about, and the the thing that's uh, nagging at me a little bit, is kind of like, what what is the message of the show? And uh, I'm wondering what it wants to say about, you know, conflict and war. And well, I mean, I, I mean, I'll tell you what I feel. But I've watched more than just these first three episodes. But I feel even with these first three episodes, um, it's very anti-war. It's an anti-war show. It's showing you um, the conflicts and what happens. Um, and now they're not really overt, but. You know, for a show from back in the '70s, I think they're pretty nuanced. Um, the then the very first episode, you have the loss of innocent people who just get killed by a random bomb. You have Amaro talking about, so this is battle. He doesn't want to kill anybody. The first couple episodes, and then he finally does. Um, and so it's kind of about um, uh, you know World War II and wars and how us has humanity, um, you know. Uh, bring that together and uh, how it's usually the young and the people who are inexperienced or whatever that need to fight the wars and you know um, that messes them up and that's going to continue to mess them up Um, no spoilers for what's coming up but uh, uh, everyone starts believing more in the cause but also understanding that the cause is hurting them and the universe and you know worse ways just like war um, so yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's really the thing that I love. That's one of the things that really kind of got me when I first heard about Gundam is that it's a anti-war Star Wars, Star Trek, uh, you know, big ship space opera. And so, and yeah, so, I mean, I think it's, it's anti-war, but, um, uh, well, how do you feel? Uh, you know, I do feel that it's taking, um, taking a a different approach towards showing how human beings can treat each other with cruelty. And like you said, there's, you know, this huge thing with the planet and billions of people dying. And I think that that definitely points towards how cruel people can be. Yep. What, What I really respect about this show is how it's approaching this and it's very restrained Yes. Um, I feel like there's a very small amount of the kind of that trademark anime spunk that a lot of shows have the the kind of winking sort of you know attitude. Yeah. Um, and you can kind of feel it in the music. You can feel it in the way that sure. Amaro like salutes in one of those shots where the camera pans backwards. Yep. Yep. Um, but there there really isn't a lot beyond that. And no. His love interest offers a little bit of comic relief. 
Yeah. Kids in the first three episode, kids show up like thirty seconds. Like they have like two yep. moments where kids are cute and adorable, but then it's like okay, back to the exactly work at hand. Yep, exactly. And so it's a it's a real class act of a of a cartoon show that doesn't pander to its audience. No, uh, and so I respect that a lot. Yeah, and and it continues. It just like I said, I, I think it continues to get better. And um and I love that the first three episodes are setting up the conflict. They're setting up who you gotta you know. Um, but also I was gonna say who do you root for? But also if you think about it, and one of the things that I loved from when I first started watching it was um we're all the same people. It was just people from Earth who lived in these space colonies and one space colony decided to call itself Zeon and say that we're not um part of you anymore kind of like the belters in the expanse which is one of the things that I love and um is that okay you know uh, how do you feel about that um do do they say we're our own people we're our own country and now we're done with you is that okay do you feel oh yeah they should have that right um, then okay, you might be on the Zeon side there, but if you go, no, you're part of Earth, you're part of Earth Federation, you're part of our, you know, infrastructure, and that's kind of the, the background, but they don't bash you over the head with that, they, that's one of the things, like I said, I like about the show, is that a lot of it is in the background, a lot of it is implied, and, um, we're setting up the, the different factions, all the different characters, the different mobile suits, uh, we're, all of that in a short amount of time. Um, and, and also hand-drawn cell animation from the 70s and 80s. So, I mean, I'm very, yeah, like I said, I'm happy to hear you're impressed because, uh, I've loved the show and I think it's really impressive for, like you said, an anime, uh, cause I love animes and like you said, the winking, the Pokemon, the, all the other stuff, uh, the, the pop songs, all that is fun. And there is some of that in here. You could see that it is part of that same culture, but it's not going to be like on um, your death note or something like that. This is going right. to be something different. Right. And you know, the animation is stunning. One of the things I couldn't help but notice is, uh, I don't watch a lot of cartoons, but I, I do watch uh, star Trek, the animated series on occasion. Mm, and yep. Yep. Thinking about how many, uh, two dimensional flat spaces there are, you know, just, uh, Brown Hills and gray walls yep and there's no texture to them and this show made me appreciate the artistry of giving texture to these yes. cartoon cell shaded oh animations. yeah oh yeah you know somebody looks down a hall we only look down that hall once yep. you see all these intricate metallic patterns yep. that make up the sides of the spaceship yep. and little things like that go a long way absolutely and the villains are interesting and in other properties, that dynamic usually favors the the little guy, so to speak. Yeah. But uh, it is interesting in Mobile Suit Gundam, and this this might be one criticism I would consider is, you know, having this small group be cornered in some kind of way, and they try to gain independence, and there there is some gray in there but i haven't seen the entire series and i'm sure that you know the the villainous characters are probably painted as more and more and more inhumane um following up on them destroying that planet but i i can't help but think of the maquis and the brown coats and those types of you know like those star trek characters and the characters from firefly mm-hmm. and how they're rebels but sympathetic ones yeah it's just interesting that the antagonists in this are rebels but they're not sympathetic they're no they're genuinely terrorists they've like blown up a planet but yes well you know, well so so interesting. well and then um also it was stated that the earth federation killed off half of their population as well so um uh, so it's kind of a tit for tat sort of a thing, and again, the, they're kind of they're really based on Germany. Germany is part of a world of different sides, and they say we're going to take over, we're going to do it our own way, and everyone says no, you got to work together. And so they're not they're not really rebels; they're more of like I said, like like I said, they're a country. They have their own little world, and they said we don't want to work well with you anymore. And then war ensues, just kind of, you know. And again, but that is right. You're, you're right. That's up to you to decide. Do you think that's right? Do you think that's wrong? Um, that's that's a eye of the beholder sort of a thing. But I love that that's part of it. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it, it is very interesting. You know, one little thing I wanted to kind of 
one of our concluding things was uh, you really like kaiju stuff. Sure. Yep. Okay. I know you're very fond of Godzilla. Yep. Um, yes. And I, I'm curious about what what for you distinguishes like a kaiju property from something like Gundam because I, I can't help but think of stuff like Mecha Godzilla. Sure. Like we got a giant robot. Sure. I mean, um, yeah, they're they're both things, but so kaiju it, um, just means giant monster. Um, in, J- in Japanese. So, uh, kaijus are going to be giant living creatures. King Kong, Godzilla, uh, the beast from 20,000 Fathoms, those are kaiju. If it's a robot, then that's going to be a, a mecha, that's going to be a robot. Um, and yes, there is, cro- there, there is, like you said, there in the kaiju, there's um, some mechas in there. But the robot, like Gundam here, there's no monsters, there's no aliens. It's just humans in these suits fighting. And it is a offshoot of tanks and fighting and the horrors of all that, and not the antagonistic, um, we have to fight or, or um, uh, come together to fight a thing of nature like a hurricane or a Godzilla or something like that. Um, they're, they're different kind of storytelling um, aspects and they're doing two different kind of things. Oh, that's a that's an interesting distinction. All right, nice. Thank thank you for explaining yeah. that. No, that yeah, absolutely. Makes me appreciate Pacific Rim more because it kind of rides the line. Right well, exactly. Between. Well, and that's one of the things that I've I love that movie even more now that I've watched Gundam is because I know Guillermo del Toro likes Gundam and um, Ultraman and Godzilla and all that, and that is honestly what what he's doing with that movie is that he's doing both things. He is trying to do a war humanity story um, for me. Pacific Rim is about um, fighting climate change, um, and th- that's what the humans are trying to do, and that's what the monsters represent, just like Godzilla and all that kind of stuff. But they also have the fun of the fighting, just like in the Gundam and all that. Um, but but again, I would consider Pacific Rim a kaiju movie because the main thing about that is the kaiju. They wouldn't have built the suits without the kaiju. Mm, yeah. um, so, uh, but this they built the suits because there is no kaiju. It has nothing to do with um, um, animals or fighting aliens. It's a fight against each other. Um, so so I mean right. that's kind of giant robot versus giant robot. Exactly. And exactly. You know what? For for everybody like me who um who is uh, really coming into this, you know, blind. Um could you kind of describe the the naming system because you know, we have uh, the phrase Gundam. Yes. But but how does that break down? Well, I mean, uh, the history of it is they they were originally going to call the um show uh uh, gun boy and then they decided to change it into gun dam which is a um um mixture of gun and freedom and you mixed them together and they wanted to make the hero suit uh be the gun dam um and they liked the way that it sounded to kind of um invoke a single warrior one person could be in a suit and that could change the world sort of a thing um, so, so the Gundams are the, usually the good guys suits and then the other mobile suits are the bad guys. And so that's basically the, kind of the breakdown of that. Nice. And these are your, uh, figures that we're looking yes, at. Yes. Yeah. I got some desk. figures. Yep. I got the yeah. RX 78. Um, this is the mobile suit Gundam right here. And then I got the, just the main Zaku, uh, warrior. That's my first model kit. And then this is my, uh, just one of the new, um, action figures they have uh but it has a more muted color scheme purple and gold and all that instead of blue and red i mean i love the original for but i also like this one so but yeah um uh yeah there's a whole and and um if you are that's one of the things i love about the franchise is that you're going oh this is just going to be this one series um i think as of right now if you count movies miniseries and shows i think there's over 40 different um things that you can watch so uh we're just talking about the first one but yes it's uh yeah, it's very very prolific yes yeah, very prolific and um if you've seen like ready player one uh when the guy changes into a gundam to fight um the mecha godzilla at the uh 
uh, at one of the big fights at the very end, Ben Mendelsohn. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of the first time. That was the first time Gundam's been in a theatrical picture. Steven Spielberg's a fan. He's been watching since like back then, and he put it in there. That's why they gave him the okay. Uh, the, Netflix has the rights to do a live action. Uh, the guy who directed Kong Skull Island is working with them to make a Gundam movie. Oh, that you know would be interesting so. is if he chose to set it in the late seventies and early eighties. That would uh, be cool, given how well his Vietnam vibe. Yeah, in so Kong Skull Island. Oh yeah, out. so so uh, I definitely think you should have that vibe, and and so the and uh, I I was gonna say because you were asking earlier about the time schedule. Um, when they say it's the so this takes place in the 79th year and that's the 79th year after we um had a huge uh like we went into space and that is when when we um uh that was kind of like the new age we kind of like started over so the 79 years after that oh okay kind of like an ad thing yeah like yes exactly after space yes yes and the fun is that they tried to they a lot of times they coincide with the years that they were made so like one of the mobile suit shows is like 83 and that ca- and that was made in like 1983 so see. so so it's kind of fun but in their universe it's 83 years in the past and that's you know four years after 79 which is what you and i just watched and there's all these timelines which again i like the complexity of that and um but it's also just a show if you want to see robots fight other robots you can do that too right and is there a is Transformers the the big show that's American and similar to this, or is there a is the, is there a show that was like kind of an American clone of Mobile Suit Gundam? I mean, um, the probably the so the biggest thing about Gundam was that it didn't break until the uh, uh, late nineties, early two thousands, because they didn't want to um, have any copies; they wanted it to come over one to one. Oh, I see. So it came over on Cartoon Network's Toonami on a show called um, Gundam Wing, and that became a huge hit, and then they brought over the other stuff. Uh, so they're really so that's why it took so long instead of um, because it started in the 70s and it was around, and they tried even in the 90s to break in. But uh, like you said, people wanted to take the shows and change them or dub them with different stuff, like Power Rangers, like um, Transformers, something like that. Um, like Voltron, uh, uh, Robotech, stuff like that. And they said, no, it has to go the way we wrote it, the way we drew it, all that. So, um, so I mean, if you were going to say something similar, I mean, honestly, where we're living right now, I would say Pacific Rim is going to be way more in tune with this. I think that um, uh, your... Uh, I mean, I was going to say probably early Power Rangers, kind of, you give this kind of feel. But honestly, um, I love, I think it's Battlestar Galactica meets The Expanse meets Giant um, Robots. And that's kind of the only thing that I can compare it to. So, you know, I'm, yeah, I don't know if Fair that... Fair enough. And, you know, I think one important point that you're you're kind of making in all of that, as you describe how it broke through... Um, you know, as as kids from you know that were born in the '80s that grew up in the '90s. Yep. I mean, we remember a time when y- you had to buy a VHS. Yep. And the VHS was three random, not even yep. <laughs> not even in order episodes from exactly. a show. Oh, yep. this is the spooky collection, or this is the action collection. Exactly. And you know, it's episode seventeen, thirty-two, and forty-one. Yep. Yep. And uh, we live in such a a good time yes, we in do. so many ways. Like we're so spoiled by, e- even when we were watching this, we were like, Oh, let's watch it dubbed. Let's watch it subbed. We're bouncing back and forth. The whole series is available on Crunchyroll. Crunchyroll. Yep. Crunchyroll. Um, yep. You know, it's just, it's one of those things that makes me happy to be alive. Absolutely. Nowadays. Oh yeah. And, and I hope more people check it out because, um, it's a really great franchise and I'm definitely going to be giving it more time and more money and all that. So, all right, so when we come back, we're yes. going to be uh, we're going to be looking at something that uh, it's yes. a movie. Yes, a movie. movie is uh, so we're going to be looking at a movie uh, from the early '90s called Robot Jocks. Uh, this is a movie that um, the funny story behind it. I'll uh, uh, I can just tell her right now, just before we get into it, is um, 
Uh, many years ago, I, uh, used to spend some summers up with my grandpa up at his place up in, uh, Cedric, Colorado. It's out in the plains here in Colorado, if you don't kind of know where that's at. But not a lot to do, kind of a chill place, but I didn't mind it. I read, watched movies, and one night on TV, some weird, big, giant robot movie came on. I didn't watch all of it. I think it was like the last 30 minutes or something. Um, but I just remember seeing that as a kid. And it's been with me for like 20 years. Finally figured out what movie it was. It was Robot Jocks. And I bought a DVD and it's been hanging out forever. So uh, we decided to pick it for this podcast. Forrest and I are going to sit and watch it. And then we're going to come right back. And we're going to uh, talk about our feelings and thoughts. And see, you know, maybe how it, cons- how it compares to Gundam. Or, you know, just how it compares to maybe Pacific Rim. All the other stuff that's come, you know, since the 90s. But this is an early 90s robot movie. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, looking forward to it. All right, see you on the break. Hello, I'm Zach Laffey. I'm Forrest Ollinger. And welcome to Last of the 80s Kids. Uh, this is going to be episode number two. Uh, we just got done ro- watching Robot Jocks. Yeah, 1990 film by Stuart Gordon. Uh, same director that made Reanimator and Dagon, which is a H.P. Lovecraft adaption. He also did uh, Life Force and um, uh, also Space Truckers from the 90s, which I found... Uh, really uh, uh, enjoyable as well. Yeah, and this was an interesting movie. You know, this is the first Stuart Gordon film I've seen. Um, okay, very cool. Yeah, and I've you know I've kind of known of him. He's kind of like a Roger Corman uh, type of guy. Like he has a reputation for making good B movies. Yep, yep. That are now considered classics. Yep, cult classics. Yep. Yeah, and you know it's kind of funny that we paired this with um, with mobile suit gundam yeah because it's pretty clear that uh transformers at least drew some of its inspiration from mobile suit gundam yeah it's imagery yeah and to then watch this movie and i was just reading some stuff about it on the internet before we got going and sure apparently Stuart gordon was influenced by transformers yep i mean made this so we we just come full circle exactly yeah I mean, that's pretty funny. I mean, that is great. Um, Well, I mean, I mean, there is a reason why the Transformers sells. There's a reason why Gundam sells. Uh, Giant robots um, are just a huge, uh, you know. I think done right, and I mean, I I mean, honestly, I was thinking about watching this movie. Um, I owe the very first story I ever got published is a giant robot story. So I really can't, you know. um, There's something to be. I think there is still a. mind to be had there uh for storytelling um i just think that i think the people uh this is why i love pacific rim and you know honestly uh yeah we're gonna compare it to gundam because that's you know to pair it with the show of course but also i had a lot of uh, pacific rim vibes in this movie definitely got some of that and i definitely feel like um this was the proto proto uh you know, trying to be something, you know, trying to, uh, you know, be that sort of a, a thing. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, the, uh, and again, if you didn't hear the first half of this, or for some reason you just skipped in the timestamps, which I, you know, I understand, I do put timestamps in, in here on, um, our episode, uh, lists, but if you didn't hear the story, I was uh, hanging out with my grandpa. I used to go hang out with him during summers. I now know it was to get a break, you know, for the parents and the adults to get a break from the kid. But my grandpa would watch me for like a month, you know, during summer vacation or something. And I'd watch a lot of movies, TV, all that stuff. And one night this weird robot movie came on. 
and uh, that's where, uh, you know, and for years I didn't know what it was. I um, now know that it was one of the fights between um, Achilles and the Russian guy. It may have been the beginning of the movie now. It may not have been the end, like I thought, for a long time. I just remember not watching all of it because it was like 2 or 3 a.m. or, you know, how we used to be when we were young. Mm-hmm. And I watched that till I was tired and then went to bed. Then never found it again. And then, um, funny enough, we're looking at the DVD cover right here. Uh, I finally found out what it was back in the good old days of, e- you know, internet and eBay, you know, the early 2000, you know, tens or whatever, when I'm like, oh, I finally found out this movie. And so I bought the DVD, um, and then it's been re-released by like, I think, um, Shock, uh, Shout Factory, and I think there's been a Blu-ray release. So, um, and you can get it online. You can watch it for free from Tubi right now. So if you have that app, you can just watch it for free. If you are interested in listening, you know, watching it after, or, you know, watching it first or whatever you want to do. But I just think that's funny that, um, it is, like you said, it's still such a cult thing, but it still lives. It's still hanging on. It's still, it's still around, you know, and I think it's really interesting with movies like this you know i have movies like this in my life uh things that i've seen that uh maybe i saw some of it on cable maybe i uh, saw the trailer for it once when i was 10 years old yep. and then i forget about it and you know 20 years later i say to myself oh what was that movie that i you know i always wanted to see or i saw this one action sequence Yep. And it's always a hit or miss on whether that's going to be a good experience. Oh, uh, yes, um, yeah. You know, sometimes you uh, can't go back and you try to sure. rediscover something. And, you know, there's sure. always people on the internet saying, you know, oh, this is um, a forgotten masterpiece. Or, or yep. this is a severely underrated film. Exactly. I, I wouldn't honestly say that this this movie is uh, underrated. I would say it's, no. it's probably rated about exactly. What I mean, I think I think it does. Well, the thing that I kept talking to you about, um, and if you're you know following the podcast and you're following, uh, you know, you went onto the website, you see that I'm a writer, and that the big thing that I saw was that for me, I think that there's some good stuff in here. I agree with Joe Halterman. The um, the beginning screenwriter on this. He wrote The Forever War, a fantastic science fiction novel. Highly recommend it. Um, it's still in my top five, um, top ten um, science fiction books. Well, this is one of his forays into, um, uh, you know, movie making and script writing and all that. And uh, he said that Stuart Gordon and him disagreed and, you know, he wanted to make it more crowd-pleasing and goofy and all that and and i could definitely see that there's some really great um there's some really great um yeah so um uh yeah it's it's just a cult film and being a writer i was hoping to love this as you said as one of the um uh i actually uh as we were talking about something other that this guy did recently watched life force that he did um it's on hbo max um and really enjoyed that film i think that one is more of a cult film and was more enjoyable but um i do think that this would be a great uh movie to reimagine i think that you take the robots and you take the fighting and you take um you know some of the dialogue just for some fun and some of the turn of events uh, but then you take out some of the stuff that you and I had a problem with, which we both agreed on, and, um, you know, it could be a pretty cool movie. So that's kind of how I felt. Yeah. And and let's get into a little bit of that. So just, right. just for anybody who hasn't seen it or isn't familiar with it, this yes. is, um, there's a confederation and there's fighting that goes on between the confederation and the... Uh, the antagonistical force in the story. Yeah. They, they have fighters that get into these giant mechs, and they call them robot jocks or robot jockeys, yep. is the implication. Yep, exactly. And they fight on behalf of their nation. So our main character is a robot jock that's done nine fights. Yep. He needs one more fight. Um, He's going to uh, fight bit the... Bit of a spoiler for the first act, but the first fight does not go well for him. And nope. the rest of the story revolves around tension. About that, about exactly. About his final fight, which Ex- would technically be his 11th fight. Yeah, exactly. And then all the and all the craziness ensues. And like you said, that um, there are some great setups, but it mostly just turns into a fighting movie. 
and I really wish that they had um, delved more into the politics. There's um, these people that are made out of test tubes, you know, from test tubes, you know, uh, you know, the best genetic fighting, um, you know. And that's an interesting aspect, but they never dive into it. They just say that, and they all have weird haircuts. And again, I think that that's something that should have been delved into more. It would have been nicer than the um i'm a human so i have and i know they're trying to go for like that star trek data data thing where like these people are like no i just kill and i don't care but like you need to write a more nuance than that yeah and there, there's kind of a really good through line there you know you have this guy who's about to quit with the robot fighting and he's older he's near the end of his career Yep. And these young bucks that are genetically enhanced are coming up behind him, and he he actually doesn't seem that torn up about it. Like no, he's he's ready to quit. Yes. Um, once he gets his tenth fight done, you know, one little thing I gotta note is um the DNA altering kind of reminds me a little bit of Guardians Three with okay. the high evolutionary. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, additionally, it. You know, it just reminds me of the kind of high sci-fi that uh, we're kind of getting with Mobile Suit Gundam. Yep. And it's very clear that Mobile Suit Gundam is balancing these kind of elements yes. a lot better than uh, Robot Jocks was. Uh, yes. No, th this was an Americanized not understanding what makes Gundam and Transformers and all these other things from Japan work. Um, and just trying to do a big action movie with robots. And that's one of the reasons why I love, like, Pacific Rim, because uh, Guillermo del Toro understood that it had to have a message. There, The kaiju and the people needed to stand for something, and um, then you could have the fun fights as well. This is just, let's have the fun fights, and we'll just figure out some reasons why they're having the fights. Uh and I agree with you that Gundam is doing way more nuance, but of course it's a TV show, so they could have more time with it. But, um, but I agree. I just I and you're right. Um, I see so much of like other Joe Haldeman work, John Scalzi, Guardians of the Galaxy three, um, and it's something that again I think they were too too afraid of in the early days of the '90s. As we looked up, uh, they filmed this in 87, and it didn't come out until 90. So the late 80s, early 90s, they were too afraid to go into that stuff, other than just saying, you know, what they are, and they're better than us as, as fighters. But they don't really show it, they just tell. And that's one of the things that I feel like um, is one of the biggest... Uh, you know, storytelling things is that you gotta show us, don't tell us. And they're saying these guys were so great, we're supposed to fall in love with you know the main uh, you know actress in here, the only woman in the story, which was kind of crazy for me. But she's the only woman in the story, and they say you know, and they don't they don't really you know they don't give you character motivations. You don't understand why everyone should love each other and all that. It's just it's pretty cardboard characters. And I just wish that they had delved into that more because that's the good stuff. And that's why when somebody has problems with a James Gunn, Guardians of the Galaxy, Suicide Squad, where they go, why do you want to delve into these things? Because there's some interesting, funny, weird, uh, beautiful, and crazy weird things that can go into some of these storytelling if you really delve into it. Um, just like you said, uh, people fighting in robot suits, or if somebody like works on a raccoon, both, if you delve into the heart of that story, they could be both, uh, pretty good, but you gotta delve in there. If you just have the surface, it's pretty, you know, it's not going to sustain the entire movie. Uh, I think I even asked you how long was this movie? I kind of thought it was, uh, two hours and I was like, wow, a nineties movie that was two hours. But it's only an hour and a half, so um, it kind of dragged for me as well. Yeah, and you know, there's there's some interesting stuff. Um, yes. One of the things, like little things that stuck out to me, like our main character can't read. Yes. It, it comes out in, in one of the dialogues. He says, I can't read, but I ain't dumb. 
Yep. And, yep. Uh, that, that kind of blew me away. And th- there were a number of moments where this, this whole movie just gave me Ricky Bobby vibes. Like, oh, that's, the yep. dynamic between our main character and his European opponent. It, yes. Even after their first race, he meets him in a bar. That's true. In, in much is, the same way that Sasha Baron Cohen does. It's hilarious. Yes. It's yep. too much. And even before that, it got me thinking of mechs as cars because of the helmets they wear. Yep. And and that gets me thinking about you know this idea that the the mech is an extension of people. Yes. And it's different when the mech is something cool, and yep. it's an extension of you know, badass things people do, like whip out swords or, you know, shoot each other in an arena. Yes. But it's a completely different thing when it's an extension of humanity's ambitions. And I think that's kind of the difference between what's earned and unearned. Sure. Um, when I think about this movie and uh, the show uh, Mobile Suit Gundam. Gotcha, and yeah. I, I couldn't help but feel like the, the ending of this movie was very unearned. Mm, and it was, yeah. you know, oh, you know, why why are we fighting? It, it's like the Tom Petty song, Two Gunslingers. Like, these two guys just go to have a gunfight, and they look at each other and say, well, what are we fighting for? We should just stop this. And yes. Very anticlimactic it, for a movie about fighting robots. Yes. It works for Tom Petty, but yes. not for this. No, no, I agree. The ending was very abrupt, very cheesy, very goofy. And I wish, and I understand they're going for an anti-war, can't we all get along sentiment. But I think that there's a more nuanced way. Like I said, um, well, actually I won't say because I think I'm going to save it for a script writing. I think I'm going to try and reimagine this movie sometime, someday, whenever I get the free chance uh, when I'm not working on other stuff, comics and the podcasts, of course. But um, I think the reimagining is there's a better way to show unity and people coming together and still having a satisfying, the bad guy gets his come up instead of a fist bump. Which literally, spoiler alert, you know, I'm just going to say, if that's going to spoil it, that's the last scene of the movie's a fist bump. And that was very weird to see. It was like, okay. Yeah, and our main character isn't entirely likable. No. Is the funny thing. You know, he, he does some things that are just very um, understandable, but then yeah. are undone scenes later he's he's trying to go for the um which is really funny that this movie's rated pg i was gonna say he's trying to go for the rated r hero he's man full of heart but he also likes to kill and he likes to you know tell a woman what's what and blah 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 but he's also the best hero america has yeah, and and, it, but it doesn't work <laughs> it's very you know it's 80s in a bad way yes you know, this, yeah this just reminds me of so much of, uh, you know, what 80s movies are often praised for, um, sometimes unfairly. Sure. Um, you know, this guy, that I, I'm never going to get over the fact that he decides that he's quitting, you know, the, the classic, <laughs> oh, I'm quitting the game for like 10 minutes and so I can have a triumphant comeback. Yes. And the way that they frame it is the first woman... Ever given the opportunity yes, ever. To, to compete. And the minute he sees this on the news... He literally throws down his towel and goes, Not not today. Yeah, like, he's, he's literally going to give up on his oh life my God. until he sees a woman might take his place in the competition. Yes, and, and, and Forrest brought this up while we were watching it. And you could see that the people making this movie, the... Um, their their thinking was um he's in love with this woman and she's the love interest and they're trying to do this whole she's not ready because she's never fought anybody before but he's won th- nine fights so you know a a better what a, you know a, a winning human is better than an untrained greater human or whatever so that's kind of what they're going for but the way that it's shot the way that it's acted and the way that it's felt as an audience member is 100 percent what forrest just described is like he's sitting there he's going on we're getting some exposition about his life um we're getting some talk about you know why he's giving up and why this is the right choice um and uh sorry everyone that's my dog uh (laughs) 
Yeah, there you go. He's settled now. Um, so, uh, but he's given all the reasons, and he just stops with the TV. The CNN people are like, the first woman ever will be in a, you know, fighting suit. And he goes, and he, like, drops everything and runs out of there. And he's like, like, hell, they will, or whatever the line is. And it's yeah. like, wow. So, so um, again, there's some misguided stuff here. And since we're talking about misguided stuff, the number one misguided thing that you and I agree with is Tex. Oh yes, yes. The, the, if you would have taken, if you would have taken out Tex again, it uh, maybe okay. Spoiler alert: In my version, Tex will not be in it. Uh, he'll have somebody controlling him, but it won't be a misogynistic, racist Texan man. Oh yeah, the the you know the the unbelievableness of this character is just staggering. It it feels like. It, one of those guys from the Smokey and the Bandit films. Yes. Like the really tall guy and the really short guy. Yes. And, you know, they're just these two good old Texas-like yep. young guys. And that's what this character feels like. This out-of-place Texas oil guy. Yeah. Who what a, now runs a robot jocks. He's like, He was business. a pre... Well, he was, yeah, he was a previous um, uh, champion like Achilles was. Oh, okay. See, I missed that, but that that makes a little more sense. But yeah, still, um, no, but yeah, still, they don't. And again, they they go into the stereotypes. Um, I liked the character of the Japanese engineer, but again, that's kind of stereotypical. And also, um, they could have done so much more with his character. They tried to. They actually tried to give him. I think some of the most character or cool character moments in the movie. Uh, but they just didn't, for me, they didn't do it right. And they need, and if in a reimagining of this film, the engineer or engineers or characters you create could have a lot cooler moments than just the three seconds he shows up in this film. Oh yeah. And you know, um, it's amazing to me, the, the small characters that have more interesting backstories than this guy like sure they they go and visit a family and this woman talks about how if she has six kids she'll get three bedrooms yes and it's this really good piece of world building yes i did um, like that that is also very expanse like which we also brought up in our gundam talk and i love that and that is something that um they brought up in the expanse and it's brought, been brought up in different science fiction i'm just bringing it up because that was my first first exposure i know it's been brought up before but this theory that in the future uh, earth's going to be in such bad shape that we're going to have to figure out how to have different family structures and not like in the um you know, uh, weird ways, but like in a government way, like we need to put, if you have, if you're a single mother and we have somebody who has, uh, you know, four kids and a farm, you need to go live with them and, you know, become a family so that they can get money and subsidies and blah, 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 because the world is running out of resources. That's something that's been done, you know, or, you know, you could only have this so many children or you could only have this so many wives or this, you know, you own this house or, you could live in the city or somewhere where there's um, trees and air because you have so many kids. It's been in a lot of books and TV shows before. But, again, they don't delve into it, and I wish they would have. Like, I wanted to see what the movie's thoughts were on the politics. The Oh, and another thing that we brought up was the, the masks. Everyone in this movie is wearing a mask unless they're like a main character and you get this vibe, but they don't delve into it. What's happened? Why are they doing this? Is this pandemic related? Is this nuclear war? Is this just because it's um, sandy out? Like, we, we yep. don't we don't know. And there's there's this great scene where the, the main character goes into a place and he just <laughs> physically holds the mask with his hand, like walks in there, doesn't put the straps on, he's just... He's too cool for taking ex that, like, ten seconds to put the strap behind his head. And exactly. It's so comical the way he does that. He, he looks but he looks very blasé about Exactly. It. So, but I want to bring up that, you know, we were talking about 20 minutes here about this movie and some of the things we didn't like and everything. But the one thing that I will give Stuart Gordon a lot of credit for, I've not seen all of his films, but the, the couple I've seen, um, they have all been at least entertaining. Even the stuff I'm, you know what I mean? Like, it's it, there's an earnestness to the um, the directing, to the storytelling. Um, I just, I do feel like um, 
he's trying to be like a Guillermo del Toro, just without, before the the expertise, the time, the special effects, all that. You know, he's a director who's like, I want to make a giant robot fighting movie. And he tried to do it. Um, yeah. And, and, and... Um, he gave it some good background. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and did, did some world building that, that kind of helped a lot. Yeah, and, and there's always like this, there's always like this vibe of entertainment. Like, like you said, I didn't like the uh, main character either, but never in the movie was I like, I'd want to turn this movie off, he's unwatchable. I just was like, oh, this guy's being a, you know, uh, uh, you know, a crappy person. But then I'm like, I want to see the giant robots fight, you know? And, and so, so, uh, and I've seen other movies where you, I cannot stand to see the characters or what, you know, and you just want to turn it off. So I didn't want to turn it off. So that's, uh, you know. And all of his other movies, Space Truckers, Reanimator, uh, Life Force. Again, even if you don't like them, if you don't think they're great, um, I'm not saying that they're mass. You know, I'm just saying that they're 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 entertainment, and that's yeah. that's the base you have to hit. And there, there's there's some good one-liners and there's some good gags. Um, yes, and yes. Even gags that are um, as ridiculous as they are, they're cool. Like uh, you really enjoyed the Flying Fist. I did enjoy um, that. That was when fun. you see that, you'll I'm sure you'll enjoy it. I enjoyed the line, um, the the woman who's the DNA modifier. Oh yes, is super yes. jock. Um, she's, Athena. Yes, Athena. She's talking smack to our main character Achilles, and she's telling him, you know, oh, you know, uh, I was genetically modified to perfection. You just happened, and he quickly says. That's what my daddy used to say. Yeah, it's yeah, a fantastic. Yeah. That that was a good like eighties, yes, nineties comeback. <laughs> Very yes. fun. You oh, know? for sure. Um, Again, yes, there was fun and, moments and in this. And that joke is sure. cooked into the sci-fi premise, which kind of yes. makes it even better. Yeah, and there's like I said, there's good moments and there's good stuff. I think the designs of the robots are awesome. I love like we were talking about earlier today when we were just talking off mic about miniatures and stop motion and all that. All this movie was hand built and was real. And whether it looks great or wonderful or you know, you know, that's they still built everything. They built real robots, whether they're small, they shot them, they blew them up, they did all that. And some of it looked great and some of it looked cheesy. But you know what? That's, you know, you have to start somewhere. And he decided to start. I can't give him uh, any, uh, you know, I got to give him credit for that. And you know, one funny thing that I can, um, that I can say about Mobile Suit Gundam in this is the physicality of the mechs. Yes. Uh, even though this movie has 10 years on Mobile Suit Gundam, sure. uh, it's live action. Yes. So I feel like that kind of puts it on even footage. Yeah, yeah. It's much easier to animate versus Very much. to create live action. But in both cases, I felt like the robots were limited to a, a number of poses. And that's a quality that I think uh, for people who have followed this subgenre... Um, that probably starts to fade away um, with the improvement of CGI and yes. you look at your 2007 Transformers and yes. there's well, nothing and that's, blocky about the way no. that they manipulate themselves. Exactly. And well, and, and then like and like and we brought it up here before uh, Pacific Rim. Um, Pacific Rim is such a fluid and beautiful looking movie. Um, a lot of people get hung up on the the base again silly premise of robots fighting monsters but what does that mean um do the monsters when a good kaiju movie means something we'll have to do pacific rib someday because i love that movie but uh you know a good kaiju movie the kaiju has to mean something nuclear war uh messing with the environment uh messing with weapons messing with the past messing with uh you know whatever um globalization, the future, you name it. You know, it's all been done somewhere in the histories of... But when you just... Uh, but when you make it just a surface level, uh, you know, it becomes kind of shallow, and so you got to dig deeper into some of the stuff. That's all I'm... Yeah, you know, you get you get more character development in Guillermo del Toro's Pacific Rim in the first ten Absolutely. minutes than yes. you get in this whole movie. Exactly, uh, yes. So I, I totally get you there. And if you're recommending that... Um, 
over robot jocks is that what you would say yes yeah i would say that like yeah if you're looking for the yes and now that i'm yes i mean i love gundam and i think that you should everyone should check out gundam and i'm happy that forrest has checked it out but if you if you're like oh i don't know i've never watched a giant robot movie if you're listening to us here on this podcast uh check out gilmo del toro's pacific rim look at the character building look at the acting look at the beautiful sets um, and look at what between the lines is being said, which is very profound. Whether, you know, that, uh, I'm not going to get into politics here, but uh, if you feel that, you know, um, humans are against something uh, that they need to fight against coming towards them in the future, um, however yeah. however you want to feel the phrase that, and the humans coming together, the good, the bad, the ugly, the weirdness, that is what Pacific Rim is about. The covering, the fun, the entertainment, the action, the the popcorn is the giant robots and monsters, which I love. I'm not gonna. That's that's definitely something I love. But it is saying something. Uh, this one isn't saying anything. This movie, sadly, is saying robots uh, need to fight, and maybe if we fight long enough, people will say that robots are silly and we could become friends well, i guess that's the that's the the, the the saying that they have which alarmingly is similar to shake and bake yeah, Bobby, <laughs> yeah. Is crash and burn and i thought that was say. weird too yes and that's, they say that with excitement and tex has the audacity to say it and our, our main character in a rare moment of wisdom says only jocks say that exactly um, yeah uh, if you're suggesting pacific rim i would suggest if you if you like the whole competitive slant to this mm, yes. film's premise if you like the idea of watching a vintage movie about international competition sure, in a yes. dystopian future Fun you should premise. watch yep. uh rollerball the uh, original rollerball with james Conn. Yep. it's um I think it's a much tighter, more interesting exploration of like a corporate dystopia, which this movie was kind of reaching for, again, yeah, again, but wasn't no. able to flesh out. Um, yeah, well, and and there's like and there's so many things like there's one shot here where the commissioner of the American or the North American League has a giant burnt American flag behind him in a case. But they never explain it. They never talk about this is the old war, this is what... And I understand that it's like, that's trying to be nuanced, but like, you need to, you know, do a little bit more there, but... Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's a movie that really suffered because I think when it was made, it was already a little outdated. Sure. But by waiting those two years, yeah. the movie really looks dated. Yes. Um, which is sad because it's got a lot of heart. And yeah, yeah. some good effort. Yeah. Particularly in the... Uh, stop motion animation. Yeah, exactly. I think that the people working on the robot stuff, you could tell uh, that they really enjoyed it. Uh, Forrest and I, we found what appeared to be a home movie from some people uh, from back in like the 80s, you know, working behind the scenes, just goofing off in a garage making the robots. And that's the fun. And I bet the people who worked on that had a great time and they tried to make the best robot movie they could make. And I love that. And I'm happy that we live in a world now where there is Pacific Rim movies and um, Gundam shows and all this and uh and honestly i'll tell you you know if i ever get a shot um i would love to write more in this i think this is a definitely a place to mine um you know where's the american robots what's you know what's our version of that you know it, it can't be the same kind of transformer giant robots that fight but maybe we could have other kinds of robots and like we just haven't delved into a lot of that stuff in science fiction because people go oh it's silly it's a giant robot but a giant robot can mean uh world politics it could mean uh machinery it could be like you said an extension of self uh it could mean um um just um just battleships fighting in space fighting in the ocean fi i mean you could do a lot of stuff so the Maybe that could be a future genre as a combination of Fast and the Furious and this sort of thing. Hey, you know, you know what? Um, you Diesel never know. Let's do a, it. Let's, 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 start, let's start the next franchise. I'm ready. I'll do it. Well, this has been really fun. Absolutely. I, I've well, thanks. Yeah. All of these, uh, these things, and I've gotten to dip my toes in a subgenre that. Um, it's definitely worth looking into if you haven't checked it out in one yeah. way or another. Yeah, it's really fun. Like I said, I think the number one, if you're looking for something, you know, Pacific Rim, check that out. If you love that Gundam, 
um, Rollerball, uh, and then start checking out all the other different kinds. There's tons of stuff. Mechagodzilla, as Forrest and I were talking about, is kind of a cross between Kaiju and this. And yeah, I've loved seeing the differences. Um, and like you said, it makes, it, it makes me happy to see something that came out 10 years before Robot Jocks handle it with nuance and, uh, so much better. Um, but, you know, give him credit, I'm gonna give this movie, uh, I'm happy I own this movie on DVD, even though I bought it like, you know, I bought it like 10 years, 12 years ago. Like I said, I, I was telling Forrest, I, you know, one night internet searching, uh, back in the days when eBay was, you know, you know, uh, I mean, I know it's still a thing, but that was, you didn't have Amazon as much to go to. So I was right, like, eBay, was no prime two day shipping. exactly. Yeah. So you looked on eBay and I found this movie and it was like 10 bucks and I ordered it and finally sat down and watched it with you tonight so um all the way through and really and you know and i really enjoyed it really enjoyed it for the podcast and if you're a Stuart gordon fan i would say check it out um if you're not i say check out something other i would say life force or reanimator uh would be my suggestions but um if you're a big fan and if you do want to have a good fun time with your friend of uh, sitting watching an hour and a half movie i would suggest this i you know but it, it wasn't as good as Gundam. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't as good as Gundam, but, but what is, maybe? Exactly. In this subgenre. Well, Zach, crash and burn. Hey, crash and burn Achilles! <laughs> uh, that's, yes, I, I forgot I should have been screaming Achilles because that was basically the Russian or the bad person, the villain's... Uh, <laughs> Uh, m one of his lines was basically Achilles something 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 Achilles, and then the next one would be Achilles something something Achilles. So we're gonna say goodbye. Um, we're gonna um figure out what our next double feature is gonna be. Uh, we also have some things brewing and planning in the stages for some uh reactions to some live movies that we've talked about. Uh, so we're gonna have some fun. So uh, stay tuned. Episode three is coming right at you. Yep, and if you have any requests please comment and like this video all right bye-bye